lot of people want to get into solar energy for their houses. My dad even looked into it. But last time he looked into it, it was really expensive to the point where by the time he paid it off, they have like a 20 year warranty. And so he might have to buy a new one. So why do you think they're so expensive? Well, actually, I think the price has come down. I don't know last time you looked into it. I, I'm about to look into it here. Uh, my biggest problem is I'm surrounded by a lot of trees. And I don't know how effective it's going to be for me. But here's, here's the thing as a baby boomer that I'm trying to do for uh, generations after me, including yours. By the way, does your generation have a name yet? What are you guys? Uh, Gen Z. Oh, you're part of Gen Z? Okay. Um, we just bought an electric car and um, it was expensive. Um, but, you know, I'm seeing it as, a, as an incentive to encourage the automobiles to make automobile makers to make more of them and cheaper. Um, in the meantime, reducing my footprint. And the second part of that is I would like to get solar so that I'm not plugged into the power plant over here, uh, you know, Indian River power plant, uh, burning natural gas, which is a little better than coal, a little bit. Um, but really to try to get off that fossil fuel component. Um, and, and to also encourage the electric company to, to start building an infrastructure that would support more solar. There's parts of uh, DEC, the Delaware Electric Cooperative, which is possibly who you is your electric provider too. Um, there's, okay. part, there's parts in Sussex County where you can't get solar because they have too much for their system, at least to add to their system. Now you could build it and just put it in and store it in a battery, which I would be willing to do at my house. But a lot of people are thinking they'll sell it to DEC and they'll pay them for some of their electricity. Well, I don't think their lines can handle it all, all of it. So if a lot of people went solar, they need to upgrade their electric lines. Do you think you, you were looking, you have an electric car. Um, do you think that that's like a significant improvement from using like natural gas because you're still using electricity and that's still yep. a... Yeah, I looked, at, I looked into that all, all pretty closely. And uh, it's an improvement, it's not perfect. Um, there, there was a, there's an, a cost, a slightly actually larger cost to, to build the car than a gas car. Um, but right now, from a cost perspective, uh, when, when gas prices are now coming down to around $4 a gallon, um, so expensive. <laughs> yeah, I, I can, I can drive the equivalent of well, the electric charges uh, that I have on this car, I've only had it for two months. Um, I've driven all, we've driven, my wife's got it right now. We've driven almost 1800 miles and our charge from the electric company has been about $25. Now there's not a gas car. I have a Civic that I can get almost 40 miles a gallon on. And I've always bought high mileage vehicles but i hate i hate contributing it i i need to reduce reduce my impact um so that's what i'm trying that's what i'm trying to do um but yeah it's it from the actual cost of 
the fuel that they use to create the electricity um, is still significantly less than doing it with um, uh, gasoline or diesel. Diesels, diesels even worse. How come, Go ahead. How, how come um, people still use diesel when gas is available? Like, why don't they make the cars gas? Uh, there's some there's some benefits to the diesel engine power wise that some people just won't give up. Um, you know, I'm sure your dad has a big diesel. If he's hauling cattle around now and then, he's mm -hmm. not to. He doesn't do it. No, he has a well. He had he just uses his normal truck for like the cattle, and then um, he has a giant tractor. My grandfather does, so I don't. That probably uses diesel, but other it's an old tractor and tractors are expensive so that's but i don't know i, I think that they can convert from yeah. that fuel see when i was a kid diesel was cheaper than gasoline and uh now it's more expensive mm -hmm. um but diesel puts a lot more particulates into the air and so it's a breathing threat to uh anything that breathes <laughs> including humans more so than gasoline both of them contribute greenhouse gases. But the th thing about diesel is, it's why most big trucks are diesels, is they, uh, they can convert into some tremendous horsepower, tremendous power for pulling heavy weights, much better than a gas engine can. That's why people get diesels. Uh, that, guys, guys, and you probably already know this, guys like to buy and big, drive big things. My dad does have, it's not a big truck, like it, it uses normal gas, but it's, it, it's a big truck, like in comparison to like a little truck. Like is it's, got a, is, he got a dually? I, is it a dually? No, it's a Chevy, uh, I don't know, it's the white one, but like, yeah. You know what I mean by dually when they got double wheels on the back? Mm -hmm. Oh no, it's just got, it's just got four, I think, wait. Yeah. So it's just got two back, it's just got one, one, one tire on each side, not, not four tires mm -hmm. right i think it's just i i i think i don't know it's it's just like a <laughs> no it's just a normal truck <laughs> i don't pay that much attention maybe look at your dad's truck mm -hmm. <laughs> i just but, know it's gas <laughs> trucks, trucks are big in delaware though well they oh. were big in pennsylvania when i was there too but mm -hmm. you can tell certain areas um it's funny because my neighbor has a brand new electric car that he got and uh, brand new, just maybe a month or two ago, and then right across the street, our neighbor has a big old truck, you know, massive truck, big exhaust on it. It's uh, and, yeah, it's just funny. Um, it's, it's like the, it's like my neighbor across the street here. They have three vehicles. The boy has a truck. The dad has a truck. They're driving around by themselves all the time. You know, it's just like it's just what. And I see them actually use the truck to haul something, maybe once every two months, you know, it's just silly. It's just, it's just an American mindset. I saw, I saw some young lady uh, yesterday, Brianna, hauling butt down Route 13 in a big fancy Jeep. Obviously her last name is Jewel because that's what her license plate said. All her windows were open and she was just, she was just flying. That's one thing, women never used to do that, but the last 20 years, they also, some women like to get some big vehicles too. 
Popping them in. <laughs> I think. Be careful. Be careful. Don't turn into a god. <laughs> so, do most lawnmowers use diesel, or am I like mistaken? No, uh, most most lawnmowers are, are gasoline. Oh, there, there, are, there are probably some diesels around. I maybe the larger ones, the ones would need more power. Like, you know, like I wouldn't be surprised if if the tractors you see that uh, Dell Dots using to road, mow the roadsides, I wouldn't be surprised if those aren't diesels because they've got a, you know, they've got to mow so much big, thick, heavy stuff all the time. But most they buy you buy the same gas you buy for your car for most lawnmowers. I don't blame like people who actually use diesel um, vehicles when they actually have a purpose. And because if they, if a gas engine can't handle it, a gas engine can't handle it. I think they just need to improve gas engines so it can type of thing. Or and they need to improve. Yeah. They need to improve diesel engines too. I think there's a lot of room for improvement there. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be a long time from us transitioning from fossil fuels into non-fuels, but we need to start. And I felt like it was my obligation to be part of that starting. So I got rid of my gas lawnmower. The guy I sold our house to, I'm sure he's burning gas with that mower, uh, which is probably gonna last a few more years. But I now have an electric mower. I have an electric blower. Uh, I'm gonna get an electric chainsaw. Uh, I'm, I'm, doing what I, I'm doing what I can. From, from that aspect. But I think the other thing I want to do is I also work for the Kent County Conservancy now, uh, working on land protection issues and stuff. And in fact, I'm going to be out treating some invasive species in a property they just acquired tomorrow. How are you going to treat them with like herbicides? Or are you going to call them manually pull them out? We try to manually pull them whenever, uh, but we have an emergency here. We just found a colony of Japanese stilt grass. Have you ever heard of that? I have not. Uh, it's a, if it was the size of uh, my little tiny office here that is going to be the last room to get painted in this new, our new house, um, I could hand pull it in an hour. And it's, a, it's an annual. That's like uh, corn and wheat. You, you plant them, they grow, they die at the end of the year, you have to plant them again the next year, right? Mm-hmm. Those are annual plants. Japanese stiltgrass is just like that. It grows from seed every year. Uh, but it's capable of growing from seed two different ways. One, like they, they'll have the typical grass-like bloom that produces seed, uh, like wheat does. Doesn't look like doesn't look like wheat, but the process is the same. But the other part of it, it, it can actually self-pollinate even before it shoots those little florets out inside the stem almost and so that's it's almost like cloning itself so it can do both of those things and each each little plant can produce hundreds of seeds so if you don't get on it right away and that's our situation we have a we just bought this 30 actually it was donated a 32 acre 31 acre property and uh, i thought there was just a little bit that we could handle with a volunteer thing this summer and I went out there and uh and hand pull it no way it's almost it's it's involved almost two acres uh, most of that about half an acre to an acre of it is dense 
and then there's these little spots all over that are starting. Um, and that whole thing will be in, in 10 years, in a couple more years, if we don't do something right now, it's going to cover the whole property. And uh, so this is, this is an herbicide situation. So what I'm doing is attacking it two different ways. Um, some of the property is a wetland. So some herbicides are not approved for wetlands. Uh, fortunately, this plant is fairly easily killed. Um, so I'm using a, a wetland approved herbicide on this part, an upland approved herbicide on that part. And then I have another herbicide that can actually, I can, where it's kind of mixed in with a lot of other plants. Um, this one will only target the annual grasses. And so the other plants will grow through. Really? So any place, yeah, it's, it's still not a great chemical because the chemical breaks down and it, it's also not approved over wetlands. Um, it's not good for amphibians or fish. So they're a, they're a bad choice, but sometimes they're the only choice. And um, that's what I did. I try to always reduce or, or, or use a narrow amount, the least amount of chemical successfully. But to use our, our friends in agriculture as an example, um, they, they were forced, uh, a lot of people who grow row crops and stuff uh, were forced by Monsanto to grow things like Roundup Ready beans. Have you ever heard of those? Mm -mm. This is soybean that they have developed that is capable. You can spray Roundup on it, the herbicide Roundup, and it won't hurt them. But it'll kill, the idea was they could, you could spray your soybeans and it would kill everything but the beans. In fact, they were even trying to develop grass to do that so people could do the same thing in their lawn. Well, what happened? Annual plants, especially one called mare's tail, which is a field weed that happens out quickly. It's just like still grass or corn. They come, grow from seed every year. And they, they have a bazillion seeds. You go out and you spray Roundup and either you don't do it effectively or um, there's a plant that already had a genetic mutation that allowed it to survive the Roundup. This is just like the same thing that's happened with COVID with the different COVID variations. So that one becomes the dominant mare's tail. In 10 years in Delaware, from the time they started the Roundup Ready Beans program, mare's tail was already resistant. That, that doesn't work anymore for mare's tail. So they can spray beans all they want like that. And mare's tail grows, it's just as happy as the beans, goes right through it. And, uh, so you can't put too little chemical, you have to put the recommended rate. If you go too small, you could help sort of create another monster you know, another uh, uh, annual plant like the Japanese stillgrass that would be resistant to the glyphosate, which is the act active ingredient in Roundup type products. So it, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to, to wrestle with. And you were talking, you're talking about invasive plants and oh, they're not good, but I'm just curious which ones, not your favorite, but which ones do you think are like really pretty? Because like, for example, oh, like, yeah. 
like I know like sometimes like Japanese cherry blossoms pop up I don't think they're like invasive I think they're really pretty even though they're not from here and I don't think they like cause severe harm because they don't spread do well, you have any plants like that yeah I think I think and, and people get confused by that all the time uh, there's a lot of plants that are not native non-native species that aren't necessarily invasive. Mm -hmm. Now, I think, uh, for example, a lot, a lot of the cherries, um, although I do see them escape, especially in Lums Pond State Park, for some reason, they had a ton of them. Um, but they don't go crazy and they still have to compete with the other trees and stuff. It's not like they're gonna run amok totally. Yeah, they don't have, they don't cause severe, cause severe damage. They don't like, com they have, they're not completely like, like an animal that comes to another area and then doesn't have a predator and then like takes over type of thing. Well, they, they are like that. They, they don't really have any predators or, or herbivores that eat them, mostly insects, but mm -hmm. uh, they have still have to compete with shade and water and even though they have advantages, yeah, it's they're not gonna they're not gonna turn the whole forest on its head. They're um, not gonna they're not gonna turn into your Japanese still grass. Is that uh, what it's called? Yes. Yes. Um, they're not gonna do that. Right. But I'd say there's there's a couple. There's a there's a uh, a flower flowering plant called Dame's Rocket. Well, it's just like like a D A M E apostrophe S Rocket. It's actually in the mustard family, and it's purple and white and uh it it blooms in our woods or along wood edges and stuff and uh to most people they would just think it's a wildflower um huh? and uh that's that's an invasive there's a really bad one in upstate um mostly like in the midwest a thing called purple loose strife that's just gorgeous when it's blooming it's gorgeous but it will just <laughs> that's that's orchidaceae you can't fool me that's not purple loose right <laughs> no it's it's definitely that like i didn't get this i didn't get this from a grocery store you didn't no you, you grow your own orchids no it's it, i actually did get it from a grocery store oh okay <laughs> <laughs> okay it's really pretty i just got it i just wanted to show you because you were talking about purple flowers and i was like oh i have a purple flower oh i love orchids when i lived in florida i just they were just amazing they grow in Florida. Oh, there there are wild ones all over the place in Florida. What? I have a bunch of plants in my room. I have like a fiddly fig. I have a peace lily. I have an aloe. I have like what kind of plants fig do you have? What kind fiddle, of fiddle leaf? Like it's like a oh, shorter one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's those like things, a, those things that you get in pots here. They can go absolutely nuts in Miami out in the woods. Uh, that that's some of the stuff I used to have to fight. Now the fiddle leaf fig is not was not really one of the the big ones. It's like uh, this tall. Yeah, but there's uh, there was Ficus benjamina. That was one I had to deal with all the time. <laughs> yeah, I like plants a lot. <laughs> well, you should. You know, there's there's going to be uh, somebody in Nisso. There's a lot of work in coming in plants. I just I like them, but like, at the same time, I don't know if I like like them enough for them to be a career. Does that make sense? Like, they're just like a hobby for me. Like, I don't know if I could just focus on just plants. You know, I started out, when I started out in zoology, it was partially because I liked things that moved. <laughs> and plants don't really move. <laughs> and then I got, the more I got into the 
ecology part of it, none of those things that run around would be running around if it wasn't for the plants to begin with. Mm -hmm. So I kind of got sucked into the plant world. Um, they're really cool. You know, I really fall in love with the palms, all the palm trees in South Florida. I got another plant. <laughs> what? What do you? Oh, it's a, a psychic. Um, I think it's a ZZ plant, but I don't know what it could have another name. Yeah, I think it's I think it's in the cycad family. You have to look that up. Yeah, I got your. I'll tell you what. I've got your email. Mm -hmm. And uh, Harry wouldn't mind we talk if we talk plants separately at another time. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I I had a quick interjection. I was going to ask you your opinion too. Like when we were walking around uh, Chapel Branch. It's been happening over the last couple of years and we don't have a crew, you know, that can go in and wipe things out. But there's wisteria and there's phragmites that are just completely taking over huge sections of the water and huge sections of the trail are like encroaching in on the trail. And I'm like, I don't know what, you know, like the best approach is to that when you see that. It's so big that, you know, if you let it go, it's going to just take over things that would normally be uh, normally be native there. Well, here's here. That's a tough one. You know, I, Marlene and I, we talked, we talked about that. I call her Marlene. It's not, it's, it's, what's her first name? It is Marlene. It's Marlene. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I thought I was messing. I thought I was messing her name up. No, no, no. You got it. So I, I would, um, I would like to, I would like to uh, take a look at what what we've got out there and maybe start to help work up a, a management plan oh did i just lose everybody i'm still here no I, no we're I, good we're good can, you, you can't yep. see, there we are yeah oh no we're, we're still here yeah we can still hear you. Some dust off my computer and went haywire um the frag is really like for example Okay, let's say we used a lot of chemical because it would take a lot of chemical to kill that frag. What happens then? What what is what's the because those are old quarries and stuff. What then you're talking about planting something and trying to maintain it. If you go down that road, you'll be doing it every year, and it, I, I I just don't see I don't see it getting a lot worse. I think it's not growing where the water's deeper. So I think you could actually do something like, if you really want to get rid of some of the frag in some of the areas, maybe we do something like dig it a little deeper so the frag can't grow that deep and then get something like water lilies or something else. You know, so I think we need to talk about that. At least I'm willing to, you know, be involved in that conversation because I don't know, I live like six miles from the place. Yeah, no, I, if we could do something like take it out, have a plan, take it out and replace it with something that would be a placement, I would love to do that. I think that would be a great plan. I mean, if that well, would be possible. You know. We can think about it. Not, and believe me, I am not the, uh, I had, I spent a lot of time spraying frag in a couple of places that I wish I had. I really think it, it really kind of was a waste, waste of time and money. And I, in a place I put chemical that I didn't need to, you learn. You know, you learn. So anyway, uh, wisteria is a tough plant. That's one you can uh, kill and remove with very little chemical. But you gotta, yeah. I haven't. Dave Fees took me out around that area, but I, I hardly have a, a a real feel for what's going on there. But 
yeah, there's some key places that are, ugh, they're nightmares. And so I, I think it's a smart idea to try to get a plan together, but it would be great to sometime make a plan and we could get you to give us an idea of what you think. That'd be awesome. Yeah. 